for me. I know you do too. Turn with me, if you will, to First Timothy. First Timothy. We're going to kind of wrap up tonight in a series that we've been in on these past Wednesday nights. We've been talking about truth. Amen. Been talking about truth. God wants us to know truth. Okay. God wants us to be people that know how to identify truth, know how to recognize truth, know how to apply truth in our lives. He said over in the book of John, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it's a it's a dangerous thing to have believers that are saved but not set free because they don't know truth. And um, I want us to go deeper. I want us to be people that will go deeper than just the surface of what we hear and what uh, is traditional in thinking. You know, just this past Sunday, we uh, began a series on heaven, heaven, but the kingdom of heaven, not the heaven that you and I think of, because traditionally, you know, heaven has a traditional thought process of, oh, that's where I go when I die. But Jesus, when he talked about heaven, he didn't talk about it as a place that you go when you die. He, ta- he talked about it as a place that you bring while you're living. So God wants us to be more concerned with bringing heaven instead of getting to heaven. Okay, and so but right there, you know, there's some traditional thinking that, you know, begins to come up and we've got to be people that want to know truth, that love truth, that we want to know the truth of the word of God. And so we've been looking at this for several weeks. And tonight, the title of my message tonight is spreading lies, spreading lies. We want to talk about uh, the fact that just because we knew truth at one time doesn't mean we always stick with it. Or live it. Amen. And so we've got to be people that grow and continue in truth. You know, Paul talked about that. He said, continue in the faith. Be steadfast in the faith. What does that mean? Don't be shakable. That means don't put your faith in one thing one day and put your faith in another thing another day. And that's not just talking about, you know, one day I believed in God and then another day I didn't believe in God. It's not always that drastic. But we've got to be people that want to know the truth about every subject in our lives that we want to uncover and unveil the word of God. And, you know, we saw last week that that just it just takes work, takes work. You got to be a study of the word. I'm convinced that if we're not studiers of the word, there's stuff we're missing. You know, you know, being in the casual churchgoer, you're going to miss stuff. Being the casual one that picks up the Bible every now and then just because you want to, you know, get You know, either because we're going through something rough, so it's like, oh, man, I need to get in the Bible. Or, you know, something pops up, it's like, hey, I want to look that up. You know, Bible is not just a reference book. (laughs) You know, this isn't a dictionary. This isn't an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah, I want to see what that said. No, this is something that God wants us to apply to our everyday lives. And so there's got to be a consistency in being in the word. There's got to be a meditation, a discipline. A diligence, Paul said, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. How? Study the word. He didn't say hear the word. He didn't say read the word. He said study the word. That, that, that is in regards to going deeper. And so we've got to be people that want to grow in our faith. Do I have anybody in the, in the church tonight that wants to grow? Anybody that wants to grow in our faith, grow in the word. Amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know, one of our opening statements was that every lie is rooted in truth. You can't tell a lie until there's truth involved. And the reason why sometimes it's difficult to uncover truth is because it's buried under so many lies. And the more lies you tell, the more you twist something, the deeper the truth gets. And um, so we're going to kind of look at the lies. We're going to look at the falling away. And here in First Timothy, chapter four, and verse one. Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, now the spirit expressly says, the spirit says, well, that's important because we also discovered throughout this series that you won't know truth without the help of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, not the spirit of lies, the spirit of truth. So now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, anybody believe we're in latter times? Yeah, we're there in latter times. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. What does that mean? Those aren't just scary words, you know, to try to scare you and frighten you. That's just mis- that simply means inspiration of Satan. 
So if this word that we have is given to us by inspiration of God, then there can also be a word that's given by inspiration of the devil, deceiving spirits and doctrine demons. And notice those two words, giving heed, giving heed. You don't just fall away from the faith. You open yourself up to it. Okay, we're going to look at some of the dangers, some of the things we want to stay away from, because you don't just fall into doctrine that's that's not in accordance with the word. You've opened yourself up and we're going to look at some of these things. You have allowed things giving heed. That means it's your responsibility. Giving heed. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. So that which I've taken in is now causing me to produce something out. So I've given heed and now I'm speaking lies in hypocrisy. Notice that. Come on, we're going to break this down. Speaking lies means I'm speaking something that's not true and then I don't even live it. That's hypocrisy. Speaking lies in not even really believing what I am even saying. Having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. That means I'm no longer sensitive to truth. The more you allow lies, the less sensitive you become to truth. The meaning of that is I just believe everything. If I open myself up to everything, I'll find myself believing everything. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Verse six. If you instruct the brethren in these things. You will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine. So there can be a bad doctrine. Of the faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. See. The better I am at doing the word, the better I will be at believing the word. It's hard to fall away from the word that you're applying daily in your life and seeing it produce in your life. It's difficult to depart from that. So he's saying, look, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ if you're nourished in the word. That means you're in it. Well, you don't get nourishment just by going and having a meal every now and then. Nourishment is consistency. And of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed, but reject profane and old wives fails. Exercise yourself toward what? It doesn't say exercise yourself towards studying or exercise yourself towards believing. He's bringing up character. He says If you want to be a good minister of the faith and stay true to the faith, live it, apply it, and let godliness, holiness flow out from you. That's interesting that he would bring up character. You know, and especially in our day and age, you know, we tend to just take people's word for what they say rather than looking at who's saying it. But you're going to see here, we've got several passages we're going to look at. And Paul consistently brings up what you're doing and how you're living. And that ought to be an identifier of what you're saying. So let's keep looking at this. But reject profane and old and old wives fables. That means don't just allow any conversation to come in. You know, sometimes we entertain conversations that we don't need to. So don't entertain those conversations and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance for this for to this end. We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. And he goes on, let no one despise your youth, be an example to the believers in word and conduct, love, spirit, faith, purity. Again, he's talking about our conduct. He's talking about how we're living till I come. Give attention to reading. Give attention to reading, to exhortation and to 
doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. That means we can neglect it, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. You're going to see this as a reoccurring theme that as I'm believing the word. If it's real to me, I will live it and that will be evidence that what I'm saying is true. People don't have to believe you just because you say it. They ought to believe you because you do it. Is what he's saying. Take heed to yourself. Don't worry about what everybody else does and what everybody else says. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. See, sometimes when we're talking, we're not really thinking about who's listening. We've heard the saying, sometimes people just talk just to hear themselves talk. Because they want to hear their own voice, right? Well, Paul's saying here, look, if you're going to do some talking, let it bear witness with how you're living. Because how you're living is going to speak louder than what you're saying. Now, this is on the good and the bad. This is on the good and the bad. Because when we think about this, you know, I, I, I've, I've seen so many Instagram comments. I've seen so many Facebook and Twitter comments that have to do with, uh, you know, somebody does something or says something. And somebody comments back referring to that person who made the post as a false teacher. And they use these things. They use these verses. You know, in the last days... In the last days, there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be those that are going to fall away from the faith. And they use this stuff and they don't realize that this verse, you know, it, it's clear who Paul is talking about here. It doesn't have to be, well, is that a false teacher? Is that a false teacher? Is he a false teacher? No, there's an identifier. There's a qualifier that how they're living and what they're doing. Look, if they're really a false teacher, time will tell. Time will tell. And if you're the one that's spreading lies, time will tell. Time will tell. And so he's identifying here that, look, eventually your character will tell who you are. Your character will tell you away. And we can point fingers and identify who all the false teachers are. But eventually it's their character and their lifestyle that will determine that. I'm not here to discuss what so-and-so said. You know, every now and then I, I have people, uh, you know, bring that. What do you think about who, what so-and-so said? What do you think about this? Look, if it's clearly, you know, uh, not in the word, then those are easy to point out. But sometimes people will say things that sounds like truth. And they'll point out what other people say, and that's not truth. And people get confused with that stuff. People get confused. Well, who's the false teacher? Which one's right? Which one's wrong? Well, just let them live. Just watch their lifestyle for a little bit. What, what, what was it that, uh, uh, I don't know who quoted, I don't know who said it, but our lives, our witness is uh, 30% what we say and 70% what we do, or 90% and 10%. I don't know. All I know is it's out of whack. It's out of balance. What you're doing is talking a lot louder and saying a lot more than what's coming out of your mouth. So Paul's encouraging Timothy here, look, man, you know, if you want people to believe what you say, you're going to have to live what you say. Practice what you preach. Your character is first and foremost. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's start with verse 16. We're going to go to the end of the book because we're going to continue into... Chapter four, you know, the Bible is not written in chapter and verse. We kind of talked about that a little bit. That's just there for you and I. The chapters and verses actually showed up about 15 to 1600 years after the Bible was completed. So, you know, that can anything man has done with this can cause inconsistencies. So that doesn't mean that at verse 17, uh, Paul is changing his point here. Uh, he's carrying a thought. So let's start at the end and we'll go into chapter four. Verse 16. All scripture is given 
by inspiration of God. Anytime somebody wants to refute the Bible to me or say that they don't believe that, then you just don't believe God. The Bible is all truth. Either all of it's true or none of it's true. If God tells one lie, then he can tell a million lies, right? But since he's the only one ever that has been able to tell the truth and only the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, then God is the one who's speaking. His word is all truth. And you have to come to that fact. You know, again, we talked about rejecting those conversations. If someone, I remember I had a conversation one time with a lady. I was working at a bank and I went to this new branch. And, um, you know, somehow it came up, ministry and what I was doing, you know, that whole thing. Pretty much anybody that came into contact with me knew that I moved from Texas to St. Augustine for a church, blah, blah, blah. I didn't move there to work at a bank. They knew that. And so, you know, it always strike up great conversations. And so uh, the passion of the Christ movie had just come out or just maybe a couple of years before that or something. And, and uh, somehow we got on that and she was like, man, you know, that was that was a great movie. That was a really good movie. You know, I, I, I grew up Catholic, you know, so, you know, it is awesome to see that, you know, the, the Bible is crazy. You know, that it's got so many cool stories. I said, yeah, well, you know, they're not just stories. You know, they, they actually tell us statistically getting off on another tangent. So I'll follow my tangents back. But they actually tell us statistically that a lot of college students, when they get to college, have a hard time continuing to remain firm in the word and firm in their faith. Because they come to realize all they've been taught was stories. We don't teach your kids stories here. These aren't stories. That's not a Bible story. David and Goliath are not a Bible story. These aren't just stories because if, if that's just a story, then it, it could possibly not be true. No, these are establishing faith because the principle that David applied in knowing that his God was back. You can apply that. You can apply that when you're five. You can apply that when you're 12. You can apply that when you're 25, when you're 85. It doesn't matter. This, these are principles that we're living out. And so anyways, she believed that you know, the Bible was just full of stories. And, you know, some of them might be true. Some of them might not be. I said, well, look, you know, if you can't establish that the word of God is all truth, then we don't have any more conversation. Because she was talking to me about, you know, did Jesus really die on the cross and this whole Christianity thing? And Well, I, I can't if you can't come to the fact that the word of God is truth and you think some of this is fibbed and some of it is the real deal, uh, well, then we can't, what, what, where can I go with that conversation? I just encourage you to really read the word and allow God to show you that this word is truth. It's real. But what am I going to do? Sit there for another five hours trying to debate with this woman on what's true and what's not? I mean, it's not going to work. And Paul said, look, reject those conversations. Don't entertain those conversations. They'll wear you out and they'll wear the, they'll wear the person out. Amen. Okay. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God has inspired this word. Chapter four, verse one. I charge you, therefore. Again, that word is there for a reason. It's connecting the previous statement with what's coming next. I charge you because before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Now, you know, a lot of us pastors, we love that. You know, we we use that as our spontaneous verse. You know, if somebody asks you to preach in the in the heat of the moment, be ready. You got to be ready in season, out of season. You know, there's a truth there. But really what Paul is saying is preach it in season and out of season. Preach it when it's favorable and preach it when no one wants to hear what you're saying. Preach it when they're accepting it and preach it when they don't care. You continue. You stay with it. Well, I'm not moving. This is it. This is what the word says. Preach the word in season and out of season. Convince. Rebuke. Exhort with all long suffering and teaching long suffering, guys, (laughs) when you're talking with someone that wants to refute the word, you've got to have patience. 
Yeah, it's in there. With all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come. Not maybe. Not probably. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires. Because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. Because they no longer desire to hear truth. They no longer desire to uh, uh, receive sound, truthful word. They will, according to what they do desire to hear, what sounds good, what feels good, what pets their flesh, what makes them feel better after they've heard it, they will heap up those teachers. Look, they'll find them. If you want a teacher that just wants to tell you all the baby stuff and make you feel good all the time and not give you the real deal, the meat of the word, you'll find them. They're out there. Both the teachers out there and the hearer that wants to hear that kind of teaching. And they will turn their ears away from the what? Truth. And be turned aside to fables, lies, stories. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. You know, this, these type of messages are in here enough to let us know that God is serious about us remaining in the faith. Remaining steadfast in the faith and not falling away. But he also wants us to know, he wants us to recognize that there will be those that fall away from the truth. Several, several years ago, I had really my first encounter with this. And it's almost been like a domino effect. That people that I looked up to, people that I revered in the faith, people that I, I looked to as man, that is a man of God. I've seen them slowly fall away. There is nobody that is not, there is no one that is not at risk of falling away. We have to identify this. I've had some of my closest friends fall away. And I'll be honest with you, for the first couple years, it was difficult. Because I still pictured them as, dude, he's a man of God. Why would he be saying these things? And on the outside, it still looks like, yeah, man, you know, I mean, he's still, he's still doing good things. He's still saying, but eventually... The story was told. Eventually. And that's what I tell people. I remember I had a conversation uh, because we had a a real close friend of ours with the pastoral staff and um, was doing ministry with us down at the church in St. Augustine. And, um, you know, this is about 2014. This is about four or five years ago now. And, um, you know, they, they left the church. The family left the church and. Uh, you know, you're just like, what's the deal? What, why are you leaving? And, and you're still thinking in your mind, dude, I mean, you're, you're a great guy. What's going on? I mean, it's not like he was out drinking and sinning and doing all this stuff, you know? It wasn't that evident. Like, yeah, he's fallen away from the faith. He's a false teacher. And I remember one of our pastors, you know, got invited to go to lunch with him. He invited him to go to lunch. He's like, man, I, I don't want to go to lunch. I mean, he's just going to try to tell me why, you know, why we're wrong, why we're hearing, why what we're hearing is wrong and all this stuff. And I don't want to listen to all that. And I said, well, you know, I believe you're strong enough to be able to. Some people aren't. There's some people, I'll just look them in the face and say, yeah, you don't need to go. You're right. You're too easily swayed. You need to get a firmer foundation. But this guy, I knew he was stronger than that. And so I said, man, you know, go. But I said, do this. Don't say anything. Let him do all the talking. Just sit there. Just let him have the conversation. And I said, by the end of the conversation, you'll know. It'll become clear. Yeah, he's off. It'll be clear. 
because he'll talk his way out of it. He'll identify. And sure enough, he came back from lunch and said, yep. And he told me a couple of things He's like, yeah, that's it. And then some others, you know, it took longer. Some others, it took a couple of years for lifestyles to start showing. It's like, oh, wow, we're dabbling in that now. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not OK. That's not even close to being OK. Now, now we're living double minded. Now, now you're got, you're dabbling in worldly stuff now. I mean, this is identifiable. This, this is easy now. It'll get easy. But I know that there's those times where it's like, what? Well, I know it's not truth, but I can't lay my finger on it. Well, Paul is confirming here, character will show itself. Lifestyle will play itself out. Eventually, things will run their course that will begin to make it clear. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 19. It says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word of God will always turn the light on in the dark. So another thing that I recommend to people is if you're having trouble seeing the clarity, just go to the word. You don't have to keep listening to their conversation to try to feel it out because eventually you'll get drawn into it. But if you just go to the word, it will turn the light on and you'll see. Yeah, there it is. The word of God always makes things clear. The word of God always makes things clear. When you go into the word truly motivated, rightfully motivated and wanting to know truth and allowing the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and work with you and help you as he's told that or as we're told that he would, then the light will come on. Clarity will be given. Knowing this first, verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. That means the Bible, uh, you know, it, you, you can't just take it out of context and make it say whatever you want. No, you've got to keep it in line. Verse 21, for prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So again, this is identifying that when the word of God is given, when the word of God is ministered, when it's truly the word of God, it's given by the Holy Spirit, inspiration straight from God. It's not something that we made up. It's not something that we just thought up on our own. He says right there that it's not given by the will of man. It's not given by the will of man. This isn't something that you just thought of on your own. So let's go into chapter 2. We're going to continue right on. Second, uh, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among them. So we just got done talking about the, the word of God, the true word of God is not given by man, by the will of man. It's given by God with inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 of chapter 2. But there were also... False prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. The word of God always builds up. It never tears down. This is an identifier. If you feel beaten up after you hear the word more than you feel built up, that may not have been the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that you won't feel some correction. I, I, I love what uh, uh, I saw on Twitter just this past week from a minister. Uh, he said, there's a difference between correcting and punishing. God will correct, but Jesus has already taken your punishment. That's great. Because correction doesn't always feel great either. But when correction, true correction comes, even constructive criticism comes, in the end you feel built up. You, yeah, yeah, you're right. The only time correction keeps you down is because you don't acknowledge the area that's being corrected. It doesn't feel good immediately. But when you begin to recognize on the inside, yep, you nailed it. I need to work on that. 
then you'll feel built up because you just know that person or God himself has my best interest at heart. We could let you wander out into the road like a little infant and get smashed by a semi truck. Or we could say, hey, we don't go in the road when there's cars moving. We look to our left and we look to our right first. I mean, it's that simple. Amen. So it will build you up. It, it will bring on them on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways. Can you imagine that? I mean, the way that he writes it. And many will follow their destruction. They'll see, the, they'll see everything crumbling around and say, oh, I want more of that. Uh, we know it doesn't look like that. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's falling apart when they're going towards it. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of, because of whom the way of truth, the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. Skip on down to verse 12. He's going to start giving us some characteristics of those that fall away. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand. They don't even understand. You know, sometimes we criticize things that we don't understand. We do this just by American nature. If I don't understand it, I criticize it. If it doesn't make sense to me, then I don't like it. And he says right here, we'll speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. This is another identifier. They always go after the weak ones. They pray after the ones that can't sustain themselves. They go after the ones that seem like they would easily. I've identified it. They never go after the strong. They never come to me. They never do. They pick on the the new sheep, the new believers, the ones that just started coming, the ones that kind of have that immaturity about them, that ignorance about them. Not in a bad way, just a newness to the things of God. Because why would they go to someone who's strong enough to stand them up, stand and look in their face and say, you're wrong. That is a lie. That is not the word of God. No, but they will go after unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practice, practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Look at what it says here in verse 17. These are wells without water. Clouds carried by a tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. These are those that are lost. These are those that have fallen away. These are those that are spreading lies in hypocrisy. Verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. What's that mean? They once knew truth, but then left it. They fell away. What a danger this is. What a danger. 
They are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them. They end up worse off afterwards than they were even before they knew Jesus. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. This is the danger of falling away to from walking away from truth and entertaining lies. I mean, it's either a truth or a lie. The Bible is very clear. The Bible is very black and white. There is no gray area. There's either a truth to it or there's or it's a lie. And the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, I'm going to tell you right now, just as we have to engage the Holy Spirit in the study of the word. This is this shows you how dangerous it is if you don't recognize the Holy Spirit. If you go into the word and study the word to gain your own interpretation without allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in your study and in your meditation. This is the danger. Because if we can. If it says that the prophecy of God is not by the will of man, then what happens when the will of man does show up? What happens when we start reading the word and we start trying to get our own interpretation or we lean to someone else's interpretation instead of being like the Bereans we talked about last week? Paul said they receive the word with openness of mind, readiness of mind. And then they prove They studied the scriptures to prove that which they heard. Amen. This is how we receive the word. These are the beneficial, balanced practices in studying the word of God. Because we want to know truth. Because we're lovers of truth. I'm not lovers of what so-and-so said. Well, there's some great ministers that I follow and and that that I lean on. But at any time, if if they say something or their life doesn't line up with the words. You don't you no longer have full access into my life. I don't entertain. Well, that must be true then. No, if it does not line up with the word of God. Then I don't believe it just because your name is on it. Well, we've got to be this straightforward about it. We've got to develop this discipline that we study the word for ourselves. Because the word is truth. The word will confirm itself. I don't need some minister. I don't need some guy with 15,000 member church or some guy that has an international ministry to confirm the word to me. I know the word because I study the word. And thank you for preaching the word. But I have confirmed that myself. I mean, my own pastor, five years ago, I was confronted with the message that I struggled with for about several months, about three months. But I studied it out. I didn't disagree or agree automatically because of who was speaking or because of what was said. Look, there's a lot of times that truth will come to you and it won't sound like something that you've heard before or even sound like something that's really truth. And that's when we've got to take the opportunity to go into the word and discover it for ourselves. Amen. Amen. I thought I had one more here. Let me make sure I didn't miss something. Amen. Are y'all getting something out of this? We've got to be lovers of truth, guys. It's it's that valuable. I, I don't speak the, this this word without conviction. If I'm not convicted about it, I don't speak it. If it if it doesn't bear witness with me, or if there's something I'm still looking at or still studying out, and I'll let people know. I've had people ask me about stuff that I honestly I don't have the all the answers, or I'm still looking at that myself, and I'll let them know up front. Look, I, I, I'm still there's some things I'm still looking at here. There's some things I'm still studying out. There's some questions. 
And I don't have those conversations with everybody. Because, you know, I, I gauge those that will take something that I say and try to make it scripture just because I said it. So I don't give them that much. Because I know what they're going to do. They're going to turn around. They're going to put something on Facebook. and They're going to go have a conversation. Man, you're not going to believe what Pastor Mark preached. Or they might not even throw my name on it. They might go out and just start saying it. And then who else? Look, this is too valuable. This word is too valuable. This word is too valuable to just throw around ideas of what we think it says or what we think it means. We've got to be convinced. We've got to be convicted of the word ourselves. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 14. I want to start there. Second Timothy two, 14 through. Well, we'll just read on through and see where we end up. Paul, once again, speaking to Timothy, says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit. Look what he says to the ruin of the hearers. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no Prophet. That word strive means to battle. Don't have these conversations that are dangerous. Don't have these conversations and continue to try to debate with people because you're only hindering the person you're speaking with more than you're helping them. I did that one time. I did that one time. And it wasn't good wasn't a great conversation. I walked away disgusted. They walked away disgusted. And a truth of the word was put in jeopardy because of how I handled the conversation. And I was, I was right. I was right. I know I was right. But because they have arguments and they want to bring back questions, you know, it, it honestly should have just been, look, just go to the word. I, I, I ask you. I encourage you. To study it for yourself. Don't tell me what happened to grandma. You've got to get rid of what happened to grandma. I'm sure grandma was a great lady. But grandma does not override my Bible. Period. Your personal experience never overrides the word. He says here, don't strive about words to no profit. I remember this happened one time with Pastor Earl. Got in a conversation about a topic that's debatable, questionable. And, you know, they didn't want to hear it. And so he just and he said, you know what? Thank God we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he came to redeem us. We can agree on that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's the better way to end the conversation. Then people slam indoors in people's faces. and Yeah, it's a mess. Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. We saw this last week or you can wrongly divide it. But we are called to rightly divide the word of truth. Shun profane and idle babblings. For they will increase to more. We got that. Second Timothy chapter two. Verse 14, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. I love how bold Paul is to just throw names out. (laughs) And they're stuck in there forever. You can't go back and get them. They're in there. Sorry, uh, Jaime and Phil. They got thrown under the bus here. (laughs) Who have strayed concerning the truth. Saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some. 
They had an issue with the resurrection. They, they thought that the only resurrection that was ever to come was a, a, a born again, regenerate spirit. They did not believe that Jesus was coming back. To take his people. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Amen. That no matter what word anybody brings against the word of God, it stands. The solid word. That's what you want to build your foundation on. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house. Now, here we go. Watch this. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. What's he saying here? He's saying, look, regardless of what they're saying, eventually their lifestyle will determine what's true. What's he going back to? Character. Flee also youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility, not out of pridefulness. Not out of pride. You don't correct people out of pride. You correct them out of humility. Knowing that you once were lost in darkness. You once were ignorant. You once had no idea the difference between truth and lies. So in humility correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. My number one prayer for all those that I have recognized in my life that have fallen away is God help them see the truth. Just help them see the truth. I'm not angry. I don't take it personally. You fell away from the truth, man. But man, at any point, they could see the truth and come to repentance. And if God will take them back, you ought to, too. Don't shut those people out of your life. Just determine I'm not going to have those conversations. But at any moment you have questions, you want to learn more, I'm here. At any moment you realize, man, I blew it. I was following a lie. I was spreading lies, but I've seen the truth. Man, let's lock arms. We're hand in hand. Let's do ministry. Let's get back at this thing. Amen. Amen. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him. To do his will. Ultimately, you have to realize this. It's not them. It's the enemy. They're not attacking you. They're not attacking the word. It's the devil operating behind what they're doing. And they've just allowed themselves to be enticed. They've allowed themselves to fall away. They've allowed themselves to depart from the faith. They've allowed themselves. But look. At any point, they can come back and take heed to the word of God. Take heed to truth just as they took heed to lies. But for us guys, we've got to be lovers of truth. I tell you what, the better you realize, the the better, the more you love truth, the better you will recognize lies. And you may not see it in all clarity. You may not have it with all understanding and be able to put your finger on it and pinpoint. But I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit will bear witness inside and he'll say, Ah, no, this, man, this, I don't know. It's very rare that I read a book, it doesn't matter who the author is, without question marks in it. Very rare. I don't just read a book and believe because of the author's name on the front. If there's questions, I want to know. I'm going to the Word. And I'm thankful for those authors, and I usually stick with authors authors that use a lot of word. I don't get around a lot of books that don't use a lot of word. If you just got principles and you know motivational speaking, that's great. And there may be truth to that, but give me word. The word's what sets people free. Truth is what sets people free. The Bible says that everything ought to be confirmed with at least two or three witnesses. I remember Brother Hagin, he's talking to Jesus face to face, man. And Jesus says something. 
And Brother Hagin said, no, you're going to have to show me that. Because he wasn't real learned in the word. He said, I need, I need at least three references. Your, Bible, your, your word says that I ought to be confirmed with two or three witnesses. I need three witnesses. Jesus said, good, I'll, give you one, I'll do you one better. I'll give you four. <laughs> yeah, Jesus knows how to confirm the word. He doesn't even expect you to believe it just because he says it. He wants you to look at the inspired, written word of God. Allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate things within you as you read and study. And then God will reveal more truth to you. Because he's the revealer of truth. He wants us to know truth. Amen. He doesn't want us in the dark. He hasn't hidden these things away so he can hide it from us. So we, he can know all these things and we can't. His ways are higher than our ways. Well, then let's try to learn his ways. Let's try to learn why he does things. Let's try to learn more about who he is. Let's try to get engage God through his word. Remember, we've got the book that God wrote to us. And then we have his spirit living inside of us that helps us show all the truth in it. And he wants to work with you. He's your guide. He's your leader. He is the spirit of truth. Father, I thank you tonight that we become more sensitive to your spirit engaging us, guiding us, leading us as we study your word. Father, we want to have truth revealed to us there's nothing that we value more than to know truth we don't value an opinion we don't value an agenda we don't uh, uh, value an experience or an idea more than we value the word of God and father I thank you that that value for your word it will produce and reproduce in our lives it will cause godliness Kingdom character to come out of us. Because we don't just say things. We do things. We don't just speak it and preach it and teach it. But we live it and apply it. And that is what will make it real to the world. That will be evident to all around us. Father, I thank you for this message these several messages i thank you that truth is revealed to us i thank you for a body of believers in this room tonight that values truth and values the opportunity to know the truth of the word of god we thank you for this revelation in jesus name amen